0: Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. This is episode 57. I'm Ryan Sir, along with Don. Don't tell me I'm back from Tennessee. Hell big. Don, how you doing today?
1: You know, I'm doing good. Uh, it's been a little bit of a rough week. Uh, I had some work on my eye done. Um, I had like some clotting and that in my, my right eye. So I have a little bit of trouble seeing right now, but uh, I don't have to, to see. All we need to do is talk, right?
0: Yeah, we just need to talk. And it, it's funny, um... Just to fill people in, um, you, you were texting me yesterday. That's the, the reason why the show is a day late is because you didn't feel up to it yesterday, which is completely understandable. But, um, the day before you went in, uh, I, I had gone to like target optical for my normal thing. And they, they noticed an anomaly and they said, you should make an appointment with like a real ophthalmologist, not like a three-day weekend, mm-hmm. one that works at target. And, um, so I went there and they did this battery of tests. It was like 45 minutes. And, um, everything was fine by the way, but, um, they, they said I was good to drive and stuff, but they're like, Oh, you just won't be able to see up close. Well, that was true. But by not being able to see up close, I couldn't see like the instrument cluster on my car. So I had no idea how fast I was going. I had no business being on the road. Uh, but for some reason I thought (laughs) it was a good idea because I planned on going to the gym afterward. 'Cause I didn't want to miss a day because of this. So I went there and it was it was fine, but I couldn't like read my phone or my watch or anything. So I had a lot of trouble like operating Apple Music and stuff. So, so it's crazy. But I'm I'm glad you're you're doing better today though.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it was one of those things that um, you know, when you get older, you're gonna have those kind of things happen. And I had some clotting in my eye. I was having some you know, issues day to day. Some days it'd be a little better, some days worse. And then, um, you know, it's just determined they needed to send me to the eye institute and uh, had to get a shot uh, to clear up the clotting. And um, I'll go back in September and probably get another shot in my eye. It's not fun, um, and it's one of those situations. The past couple of days, any kind of real like light in my eyes, and that just you know hard to keep it open. Waters up and that, but uh, very treatable. Uh, so you know, I'm happy about that.
0: Did you get a fashionable pair of sunglasses from them?
1: No, no, no. I didn't even think about that, you know, and I went back out to my car and I couldn't get my eyes open. So I'm sitting in my car for like 90 minutes to a couple hours, just waiting for it to go down enough to where I could drive. And I couldn't see anything really out of my right eye, but my left eye was still, you know, still really good, really strong on my left eye. But um, yeah, I didn't think about the sunglasses. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. So they full, die, full disclosure, drive, you walk outside and it's like instant pain. I had
0: my sunglasses in the car. I didn't think anything of it. And they were like, we better give you a pair just to walk to your car. And I ended up with these. How do they look?
1: Lend them to me when I go back. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. They were free for me, yeah, but, uh, me I, I can't see out of these. I'd leave them on. So for audio listeners, these are, how do I describe these? These look like the 3d glasses you get at universal studios. They're plasticky. Yeah, they...
1: yeah. Anything like that. I mean, I didn't even think about walking outside, and then the sunlight hit, and it was, you know, I had to sit in my car, with my eyes shut because I couldn't keep them open for a couple of hours there, and yeah, uh, then driving home, trying to keep the eyes open was tough. But uh, you know, it's it's you know, it's treatable. What I have, and you know, by the time you know, in a couple of weeks from now, the vision will be back. We just got to make sure it stays okay, and uh, so. That's, that's been my week so far, Ryan, how about you? You know, I,
0: uh, well, it's funny cause we both had, you know, eye incidents this past week. Um, yeah, uh, no, I, have had a pretty decent week. It's been uh pretty exhausting, uh, you know, for those, uh, pr- not for this podcast necessarily yet, I will get on that, but I made some new graphics for, uh, tower topics. So that's our Kings Island podcast. So look for that. Haven't really got the chance to plug that yet. Um, uh, so I spent a lot of time on that. That stuff is far more time-consuming than people think, and it's far more frustrating. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up, though, uh, is and I wanted to address this on the show. Um, we've gotten a lot of private messages. I don't know if you've seen this or not, Don, but we get a lot of people uh, asking one or both of us to be on other podcasts or uh, show ideas and stuff. Uh, I want you to know that we do see that. We're We're not ignoring you. Uh, we will get around to do to helping out as many of you as possible, uh, keep the show ideas coming, especially, um, this is just a very, very busy time for, for both of us. Uh, but we'd, we'd love to, um, uh, come join as many of you as possible on your podcast and talk about the different parks and stuff. But, uh, but for now, um, just, just know that we, we do get it, you know, we're not ignoring you. I promise. Uh, so, uh, before we go any further. Uh, make sure that you follow us on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, you know, the drill, uh, if you like the video version, we can be found on YouTube by searching for the attractions group podcast. Um, and oh yeah, Twitter X, whatever attractions, underscore GRP. That's a really good one to follow. Cause we, we tweet stuff, I guess you still call it. So speaking of busy Don, you, you were out of town. I imagine there's a Bucky's in there, maybe two.
1: Uh tell me about your trip. There is two Buckies. Uh went to Tennessee uh last week, four day trip uh down there, and started out, you know, with the stop at the Richmond buckies We've talked about that many times on the episodes here about how much uh, you know, that we love Bucky's, especially me. And I was super excited to, to hit my first um stop at the buckies in Sevierville. It's the the largest in the country for all the buckies and very impressive you know you, you when i first uh pulled in the parking lot you just see that many more pumps than what you see in richmond it's designed a little bit differently everything seems to be opposite where what's on when you walk in what's on the left hand side in richmond is on the right hand side at Sevierville. uh but the same you know same exact kind of items that that you would find at both places same quality with the food i wanted to, you know just tasted to see, you know, different things to see if there was any difference, just like I did when I went to the one in Daytona Beach, um, you know, in in the fall. And, uh, you know, no difference. Um, Still the same high quality. You don't think about great food at a gas station, but Bucky's has it. And I got the three meat um, sandwich at Sevierville along with a melt to take back to my cabin to have for a a late night snack there and uh, stopped on the way back to at both locations again uh, but that really was something that, you know, I'd been looking forward to for months to be able to hit that one. So it was great to do that. The first night down there, I uh, went to a Tennessee Smokies baseball game. They're the A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. Love minor league baseball. When I lived in Greensboro, North Carolina, the Carolina League was down there. So I spent my summer in Greensboro in 1996 um, just traveling around, going to places like Hickory and Winston-Salem and Greenville and all those different uh, stops, uh, Durham to check out minor league baseball. Just really loved it, so it was fun to see a game there again. And the Tennessee Smokies, their uh, CEO, uh, his name is Doug Kirchhoffer. and uh, he was one of the three owners of the Cincinnati Cyclones when they first came to town in 1990, and just one of the best bosses that I ever had. Uh, he wasn't there that night, but we were able to touch base earlier in the day, and, uh, you know, it was great hearing from Doug, and, you know, just... I always think about how good he was to me, and uh, he was a big reason why I was able to enjoy the career that I had uh, doing PR and eventually social media. So, you know, I always want to make sure that I think, Doug, you always think back to uh, who got you started, who's responsible, those kind of things. And it certainly was Doug for there. Uh, The Islands, Pitch and Forge, we've talked about that. Lots to see, lots to do there. Uh, you, you can spend all day there. You can spend just a couple hours, um, but just a lot of entertainment. They've got some fun rides, you know, they got better flat rides at the Island, uh, than you see at some amusement and theme parks. So that was, uh, fun there. Nice restaurants also on the strip there with that apple barn, you know, do you really go to that part of Tennessee if you don't stop at the apple barn? Uh, then there were some unique dining experiences, um, that I had, I like these roadside attractions, so mm-hmm. had a couple of those one was called boss hogs barbecue very close to the island uh, but you drive by and it just looks like somebody's you know junkie front yard or whatever but some of the best barbecue that i've ever had certainly in that part of of the country in tennessee they're the best barbecue that i've had uh, i got the pulled pork and the sausage just both outstanding uh, so thought about that on my way back that i can't wait to get back to tennessee again in november to stop at boss hogs and then there was a another place called chubby's there's a sign that said voted number one by our family <laughs> i sold <saw> the picture <laughs> that caught my yeah, voted number one by our family i had to stop there and uh, check that out now they had what they called their famous burger this thing was humongous you know so they had like two patties you had the shredded cheese you had like pulled pork on it and it was just so thick i mean i couldn't eat it all i had to take some of it back to the cabin you know, it was that big and, um, it was delicious. You know, I would have to put that as the best burger that I've ever had. You know, I've never tried the pulled pork and the shredded cheese and two patties on a burger like that before. Um, but definitely, you know, the, the family runs it home cooking, uh, Southern cooking right there at its finest. it uh, looks like a little dive when you drive you know down the road and you see it and you're thinking, heck, no, I'm not going to stop there. How good can it be? It's outstanding. So if you're in, uh, you know, the pigeon forge area, definitely stop by chubby's definitely worth your time check out that burger you won't regret it you'll have it's it'll feed four it's that big oh yeah um with that and then it was dollywood you know i stopped there on saturday and dollywood dollywood i mean it's great got to experience my first rides on big bear mountain and it lived up to you know what i was expecting it to be based on what everyone else was saying everyone else was just raving about it so it, uh, you know, met and exceeded those expectations. I thought the theming uh, was very well done. I like that it's a story-driven attraction, uh, the, a lot of twists, turns, you know, drops, uh, just a lot of fun, you know. So it it was one of those rides that satisfies both the thrill seeker, but it also is great for, you know, uh, the families, you know, the younger the younger guests who want to ride it. Very rideable, you know, got off the ride and wanted to ride it again, so I did that a couple of times. Uh, if you're a photographer, some great photo spots uh, with that coaster. But then also did, you know, the other favorites, you know, Thunderhead, um, the Dollywood Express, um, you know, uh, some of the other ones that are there to Mystery Mine, you know, rode that. Uh, so, yeah, just had a great time. Got Time Saver. I highly recommend that because that definitely allowed us to make the most of our day. I was there with my wife, Laura, and it definitely allowed us to make the most of our day. So I would highly recommend getting time saver when you go to a uh, to Dollywood and uh, did you really visit Dollywood if you don't get the cinnamon bread right well yeah <laughs> well put so uh, yeah but let's so yeah, yeah. that was kind of the, the the thing I got on on the way out but uh, you know lightning rod you know rode that and you know tremendous coaster I was asked I, I posted some you know pictures on on X and Facebook and uh, was asking people what their favorite Dollywood coaster was and you know it was you know, pretty well spread out. And then people start asking me, well, what's my favorite? And it's a tough decision. But I think after riding Big Bear Mountain, there's a lot to like about that coaster. I think if I could only want ride one there, that's the one I'm going to pick is Big Bear Mountain. Just, just a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um And what, what was funny was, you know, when I rode Big Bear Mountain a couple months ago, um you, you, my initial impression was... <laughs> They, you know, they announced the ride and they said it was the biggest, they probably leading up, if I don't recall, but they, uh, mm-hmm. they said it was the biggest investment in Dollywood history. And, um, you know, they announced the ride and I was like, man, what's the cost of steal if that's the most expensive ride in Dollywood history. But then you ride it and the thing just does mm-hmm. not end. It just, every time you think it's about it to not the end. station, it, you, you make a turn and there's this whole other section of track. Um, the train, exactly. the trains are yeah, beautiful. When- you know, uh, they look like they've kicked up mud because they're trucks, uh, they're well crafted. This is modern Vacoma. So it's like, uh, Vekoma went from being the big lots of what they do to being the Cadillac of what they do over the course of the past 20 years.
1: Yeah. Just phenomenal. Mm. Right. And you're right. It just keeps on going and going and going, you know, it's 4,000 feet, but it seems a lot longer than that. And, um, uh, just nonstop. And I liked, you know, how you, <clears throat> when you get out of the station, you know, you, there's not that traditional lift hill, Right. Uh, so. That was a lot of fun. And I, and I like the audio, you know, as you're going through and it, like I said, the storytelling that goes along with it, but very well themed, um, you know, just a fantastic coaster. Yeah, I mean, let's, Great let's talk about the onboard
0: car. audio because <clears throat> onboard audio is something that everybody tried and everybody failed at 20 years ago or so. But uh, this seems to be working. Um, we do have the onboard audio from this ride in its entirety on our YouTube channel. If you search for the attractions Group podcast, mm-hmm. the people at Vekoma were nice enough, in addition to giving us hats, uh, to let me record that from the, the the lead car that they had there showing off. Um, but one thing that I did notice was they put enough detail into it that when you're going through, it plays the you know the theme stuff. But anytime the right. bear growls, it's not onboard audio; it's a speaker outside. Uh, the most notable part is when you're going through the little tunnel with the waterfall. It's the waterfall, yeah. Very distinctly, there's a there's a growl, but it's not coming from the onboard speakers, and that gives you like an awesome little like 3D audio effect of actually feeling like there's a bear there. Uh, the little waterfall, by the way, um, I put up a tweet about that, and that that went crazy. Uh, that's one of the most photogenic things in the theme park industry. The thing it coming through the uh, the train coming through the the, the tunnel is probably only about 15 feet long. Uh, it's exposed on one side so you can see it, but there's a waterfall in front of it. And then it, I, I don't know if you notice this or not, but it has a water plume that goes up as the train is passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where you hear the growl. Yeah. But that's one of the most photogenic spots in the theme park industry, I would say. It's
1: yeah, It took a lot of photos there. Uh, I think I posted one of them on uh, my Facebook and my ex. And, uh, that, that sounds weird. I didn't say my ex, but, um, it, uh, it's just so much fun. And, you know, when I, as I was riding the different coasters and that there, I, I started thinking about, you know, they have a, a great enthusiast event thrills in the Hills that they do every year. Um, that's something I definitely want to take part in next year. You should do it too, Ryan.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would definitely be up for it. They, uh, from all the accounts I've seen, they take pretty good care of the enthusiasts. Um, it'd be cool to go down there and uh, we could have Doug Kirchhoffer on the program, uh, you know, if he's in the area, <laughs> because, you know, yeah. I've always heard legends about that guy. He kind of built something from nothing with the Cyclones. So I'd love to hear his perspective on, you know, the Cyclones. And
1: Yeah, he, he took a chance on me, you know, and, and, and uh, I always appreciate that because without me starting in 1990 with the Cincinnati Cyclones and the opportunities that he gave me. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't go on to work 18 years in hockey, followed by 17 years in the theme park industry because I had the PR background from hockey. So, uh, you know, he saw something in me, gave me a chance and, uh, you know, I'll always be grateful to him for that. Did he, was, was he like, I mean,
0: there, there's a certain, something to be said about, you know, a good boss as far as giving you a chance and stuff, but was he like appreciative and stuff? Was he always like fun to be around? Oh yeah. I've always heard about this guy, but yes. I've never met him yet. You know, so I'm looking forward to actually meeting him someday.
1: What I liked about him is he was a very good communicator with everybody. You know, we we had a run in in, uh, the second season in 1991-92 where we were selling out every night, the Cincinnati Gardens, 10,000 seats. We led all of minor pro hockey in attendance and did better than a couple NHL teams. Uh, They made sure, uh, he he and the other uh, two owners, uh, they made sure that the staff, you know, was recognized, appreciated, um, you know, they would come in and uh, they were based in Tennessee, but they were always there, you know, game days and those kind of things. And, you, you know, you'd have calls with them during the week. But um, it's very approachable. Always thanking you at the end of the night. Uh, you know, I'd be faxing out the um, the game sheets to all the different uh, media outlets and that. And for those of you that don't know, look up fax machine. Uh, that's how things were communicated back then to to the media. And, uh but he was, you know, always, you know, very thankful and, you know, appreciative and, uh, we'll see you next week. One of those kind of things and anything I can help you with, uh, what do you need to do your job? One of those kind of, uh, bosses and, um, you know, just, just a great guy. And there, you know, there's reason he's had so much success in, in his career.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, I am, I, I don't know. Again, I I've never met him. I've heard stories from you and others about him, but it sounds like, um, you know, just the attitude that he brought to the table in, in addition to the innovation and the risk taking and stuff is probably why he's in the position he's in right now, still being an yeah. owner. And a- yeah,
1: well, we just had so much fun. We weren't expected to do what we did. So, I mean, just at that time, the front office was six people. Mm. By the time I left six years later, it was 40 something people. But, um, you know, she so wore a lot of hats, got to do a lot of things. Mm. So the exposure that I got to all those things made me very well-rounded and for the things that I did in the future. And again, you know, without him, I don't get to do what uh, I did. And I'm not doing these podcasts with you, Ryan. Well, we would have found a reason to do these podcasts.
0: Maybe we talk about minor league hockey.
1: Pass never would have crossed. Uh, that, that's that. true.
0: That's true. All right. Um. But enough about uh, your, your old bosses and stuff and your, your vacation. Yes. Let's talk about me now. No, I'm just kidding. Let's, what do you want to talk about today for the podcast?
1: You know, it's uh, that time of the year, the Halloween events are getting ready to open and around this time of year, every year, uh, USA Today puts out its poll on its USA Today's Ten Best Readers' Choice Travel Awards contest, and uh, they've nominated 20 uh, Halloween events uh, to be the to be up for vote for the best theme park Halloween event in the nation. Uh, they have a panel of experts that uh, select these parks, um, so they're nominated. You can vote uh, once per day until the voting ends. And the voting will end on September 18th at noon Eastern time. They'll announce the winner on September 29th, but you know all the major parks are out there with their Halloween events. Um, so Ryan, you know, you look at this list of, of 20 um, parks that are up for this event uh, for this contest, what event are you most excited about uh, out there in the industry for the Halloween season? Um, totally unbiased,
0: but I'm uh, in two weeks. Roughly, I will be going to Halloween Horror Nights, Universal Orlando, and I could not be more excited about that. Uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll obviously do an episode on it because that's a whole subject in itself, but uh, we went through the trouble of buying the, not the season pass that gets you through the whole event, but through September. So I'm going to be gone for about 10 days and we're going to go several nights. I bought Express for a night. I We're going to take a VIP tour of three of the houses like during the day. Uh, and we're going to universal during the day.
1: You know what? That's going to change. That's going to change how you do it. You know, once you do those VIP tours, you can't go back. You got
0: to do it every time you go. Well, then. this is a behind the scenes thing. It's not like, um, I'm escorted to the yeah. front. Well, that's know.
1: what I mean. Yeah. You're going to want to do that every time. Yeah. You go. So
0: the other friends that we're going with, uh, they're doing the tour with us. And then, um, they're going to do the bigger tour, which is. Uh, like six houses or something. We're doing three. Uh, they're doing that in the, f- like sometime closer to the end of the event. Um. But uh, I'm super excited about it. And the reason why I like uh, the Universal Orlando stuff, it, you talk about like putting budgets into stuff, you know, all that sort of stuff. And clearly Universal Orlando has by far the biggest budget of any Halloween event. Fight me, bro. It's almost certainly true. It's not about that, though. For me, it's they're offering a different experience almost anywhere else. If you go through, you have creepy scenery and stuff and you got people jumping out trying to jump scare you that's fine. You know, and that's 99% of haunted houses out there. The reason why universal Orlando is a Halloween uh, horror nights is, is special is because as opposed to doing that, they actually put you into the experience of being in a horror movie. So you go through and you know, it's I, like, I haven't been there in about six or seven years, but one thing I do remember is um, they had a Halloween theme maze. I think it was like Halloween four. It's that's the cool thing about it is they'll do Halloween two one year and then they'll do Halloween four another year um and they'll have scenes from it, but distinctly, um one thing that's kind of stuck out of me is like a really cool effect was uh Michael Myers popped up from behind a fence and it made the sound effect of like the thing you know, like the the high pitched classic horror thing so he could have jumped out and made a noise and made his jump, but instead of that. We felt like we were in the movie. Additionally, um, they had an Exorcist one and it was the original Exorcist. Uh, I think now they're doing the like 2019 or whatever it is, Exorcist this year. So I'll see that as well. Uh, But in the past, they did the Exorcist and it was like a diorama. You go from one room to the next, which outlays each scene from the movie. You know, one thing that was kind of cool was... They had uh, a very realistic looking mannequin that looked like Linda Blair with its head spinning around in circles and an actor um, that was dressed as a priest yelling, the power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ (laughs) compels you. Um, And one thing that's kind of neat, and I'm guessing they still do this now, is that um, nobody has lines. Everything is just in the can. They step on a pad or something like that, and it plays the audio so it's it leaves no room for impro- imp- improvisation or anything like that it's all the way that the creative director wanted it to be and it's all directly lifted from the movies so i think that's like the coolest thing ever what do you look for in a halloween event
1: well you know for me i look for it's about the atmosphere uh you know and the decor you know, you need both of those to be working to, to kind of get you into the the spirit of the season. So that's first and foremost uh, for me. But then, you know, you look at the the scare actors and the attention to detail to the makeup. You know, how, how well done is that? And then if you're going through the mazes, you know, you go through some of these different uh, Halloween events. And they just, you know, you're going through the hallways and stuff. And they just like painted the... Um, the plywood and just slapped paint all over it to make it look like blood, and they call that a Halloween, event, you know, maze. So, I don't. I want to see the attention to detail. I want to see a story. I like to see that part of it uh, when you're going through a maze. What's the backstory, and that you know that before you go through the maze, it's not just uh, you know people in there just popping out behind behind walls and that saying boo. You know that it, there's a story to it. So. When you see those kind of things, you've got my attention, and uh, I, I think that's what makes makes for a good Halloween event. What about you, Ryan?
0: I mean, I I, I don't disagree with with what you're saying. Um, the decor is cool, uh, you know. Quality acting and stuff is cool, um, you know. But as I outlined before, it's the uniqueness of the experience of uh, of Universal is what will essentially uh, garner <laughs> yeah. my vote, you
1: know. <laughs> Well yeah, it's going to be uh, you know, it's going to be hard to, you know, to to compare anybody else to what they do just the level of detail that that's there for that. Um so for you to get your vote though, like what like what Universal does, that's going to get you to go online for this contest and you would select Universal based on the experience that you're getting there, right? So I
0: would say for a level playing field because you can make the argument all this stuff I've listed If you gave any other park $5 million for a haunted house, they could do what Universal does potentially. I would say that what would garner my vote on a more plain field is a park that shows that they have interest in the event and Mm -hmm. they don't just repeat the same stuff all the time. So when you start having mazes for 9, 10, 15 years, uh, stuff like that, not the shows necessarily because i feel like shows become staples for events like this so i'm going to give every park out there a pass because they're all guilty of that and probably for a good reason but if you've got the same mazes and yeah. you've had them since 2005 2010 or whatever uh, they've never been updated often stuff's been stripped out like to me that's like a huge turnoff. uh it's when you continue to innovate and you make something exciting uh, and it's not like well i went to your event last year and they had the same stuff so I guess I'll go this year. It's like there's this new May sounds awesome, you know.
1: Now, are you going to would you would you be basing your vote based on the Halloween experience or would you ever vote for something? Because I don't care about the Halloween stuff. It's got my favorite roller coaster, you know, and you do see that in these kind of polls where there are parks that get votes because. Somebody's voting because it's got their favorite ride there. Nothing to do with Halloween. I mean, to to be fair,
0: if you if people voted, I, and I'm sure there are these people out there, no doubt in my mind. But don't you think that like Dollywood's pumpkins would win second or third place just based on how beloved that park is and the rides are there?
1: You know that I, I think that there would have to be merit to. I think because of how well done it is, not just because that you know they would put up pumpkins in the park that is going to get their vote. I think that you know, when you, when it's based on decor like that and it's very family friendly, I mean, it has to be very well done and there's, there certainly is uh very well done, but you know, I think it's uh, you know, subjective too. you know, everybody has something else they're looking for when they go to a Halloween event. Right. For some, it's all about the mazes. For some, it's about the decor and atmosphere like it is uh, for me and others. It's got my favorite rides there and I get to ride them until midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning, however late the park might be open. So I think there's so many other things that that play into it that um you know it it really gives every park a chance to win this in in a in a you know in a roundabout way i agree and, and you know what's
0: funny is um uh th- obviously there are more elements to it than you would think on the surface because uh universal uh horror nights either whether it's orlando or if it's Hollywood, Mickey's not so scary um Disney, uh, what's the one at Disneyland? I I just heard this. It's like the the boo boo bash or something like none of that stuff wins. You know, highest budget stuff, it never wins. So let me ask you this. So PR guy, marketing guy who's worked in parks, what do you do from your standpoint to influence people to
1: vote for your park? Top of mind awareness. It's all about that. You have a short run. You know, maybe what three weeks four weeks to get the vote so you want to use all of your different channels to make sure that your audience your guests, your pass holders know that you have that event so that means your your social media channels it means your newsletter it means using your mobile app uh, signage in the park you know with the qr codes that all you have to do is put your phone up to it and you cast your vote uh, you just have to make sure everybody's aware of it, and if you do that, you enhance your chances to win. There's a lot of people, I'd say the majority of the guests that are coming to your park, um, you know, during this period when when this uh, contest is running, have no idea that this is even out there. So if you can make awareness with in park signage, or if you have those in house, you know, TVs and that running messages. Uh, You know, just things like that uh, to make people aware of what's going on. I think that enhances your chances to to garner votes is by just making everybody aware of it.
0: I agree. Um, There's also something to be said about uh, your park as an entity having a relationship with these people on an individual level. Because you can present this QR code of, oh, vote for us for top 10 best Halloween events. But you don't want the people to say, I'm not doing that. You know, there's got to be like some something in the relationship. Well, they have
1: to feel good about it. You know, they ha- they would have had. You know, you'd want them to have experienced it or something. The thing I always find odd about this contest in particular is it takes place and it says best Halloween event for that year, like 2023 now. Mm-hmm. But no park has opened their event yet. You know, the voting's going to end before everybody really gets underway. A couple parks will be open um, a little bit. Uh, for it but most don't start their event until after this So i always found that a little odd when you're voting for an event you haven't experienced yet this year so uh but from a marketing standpoint you win i mean that's valuable oh yeah you know you put that out, out front you know of your your front gate and and all your other messaging you know um come experience our event which you know won the usa today for best halloween event or finish top five however you want to uh, uh to market that um you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about a park finished number, what was it, number two or something? They said voted number two or something in, in the industry and and just, you know, something for people to talk about. But it's, it's, it's a good marketing tool if you do win and you can play that throughout the entire run of your event.
0: I agree. And, uh, you know, it, it, again, it, it's probably a lot like the Golden Ticket Awards where the layperson doesn't know and doesn't care, but, oh, this was voted best. I want to go see that. You know, or, you know, if, if yeah. anything, it's a subject matter. You know, best, uh, best, yeah, food, it, it, best gives you, area, it gives whatever. you
1: some, uh, it gives you something to boast about it, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a, a nice tool to put out there in front of, uh, like if the news media comes out to say we're here at this park, which, you know, won this award, no matter what the different category is, you know, best roller coasters, best food, uh, best live entertainment. And they have so many of those different things on those USA Today 10 best different categories, uh, that goes on all year long with these different votes. Uh, but it is, you know, it is nice. It's, it makes, uh, everybody that's involved with that event. So if you're like a scare actor or, uh, you know, somebody that was on the the decor team, you know, maybe you help build these mazes, whatever your role might be. Uh, there's a little, uh, pride factor there too, that, you know, if, if your park wins, you know, you feel pretty good about it.
0: Right. And, um, you know, I think there is something to be said about it because you're not going to win without a quality events uh, and not only do you have to have a quality event, you've got to have that type of a relationship with the, you know, with the general public to be able to present them with like, Hey, vote for us for this. And them to feel like, as you mentioned, good about their decision to do so, you know? So I, I agree. I, I think that, um, uh, pulling off these haunt events is not a small feat, no matter how it is, whether it's smaller, it's big or whatever. Uh, it's a team effort. Um,
1: yeah. And there's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, you know uh for the first time i'm in a position where i'm going to get to experience a lot of them um you know this this fall so i'm excited about that uh so yeah everybody does a great job out there if you're one of those 20 parks nominated you know congratulations you deserved that opportunity to have people vote for you
0: yeah so uh good luck to all of them and you know just uh Whatever your favorite park is, I'm sure that they'll be marketing to you, trying to get you to to vote for them. So, uh, think hard about it. It's election season, you know. Top ten yes. Readers Digest top ten. All right. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, more more to come with the haunt stuff as the haunt uh things start opening up we'll talk about individual parks and mazes and attractions and news uh associated with that but uh very interesting yeah the reader's digest top 10 thing always comes so early in the year uh where they're asking you to vote for um sight unseen which i was i always question the ethics of that yeah it's
1: like almost like the uh rowling's gold glove award it's based on reputation a lot of times yeah
0: yeah yeah i completely agree all right, Don. Now, do you believe it's already time for a little segment we like to call The Pick 6? You're the first one. All right. I'll get, yeah. Yeah, I'll get us started here.
1: Um, RMC. They did. Don, I think you have the first one today. I do, and it's RMC. They're debuting a new Wild Moose coaster type. Uh these trains have a T-bar design, open-air configuration, the tightest turning radius in the industry. It can fit on the spot of any old wild mouse model. I think it's very exciting, and when you think of RMC, you're thinking of the big, gigantic thrill rides. Uh, so this opens up a whole new ball game for RMC. Pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. Um, t- honestly, when I first read about this, I was like, an RMC junior coaster, but yeah, whatever. But just the fact that they're completely different trains with a tiny train uh, turn radius that's got me interested and they're very open air too. Uh, it's their, their most open air design. I think that's like really, really neat. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, one, one of the things that they mentioned their press release was that, you know, the wild mouse coasters of the past are starting to get retired. Um, except for Cedar point, which builds a brand new one. Um, but, uh, this can fit on the pad for it. Uh, so you are going to see this at, uh, some of the parks near you, I bet. Wouldn't you think?
1: I would think so, yes. And you know, very exciting for RMC. Very exciting for fans of RMC. Yeah,
0: completely agree. Can't wait to see how it turns out. All right. Uh number two. Um, I always get stuck with the Disney stuff, don't I? But uh right, I don't I'm gonna have to come up with a whole graphic for this with a firework display, but tram service is returning to Epcot and Disney's Hollywood studios. Uh, yep,
1: they haven't had tram service, what, since the pandemic? Since, so Since the
0: pandemic, uh, yeah.
1: Um, there's so many different ways to get into these parks, you know, with, with the transportation things that they have. Uh, but if you're in the main parking lot, um, depending what time you get there during the day, you know, this is a very valuable uh, service that, you know, Disney had provided. It's part of the experience for a lot of guests, uh, you know, getting out of their vehicle, hopping on the trams, being transported up toward the front gate, um, you know, so there's that nostalgia piece of it. Uh, I don't myself, I don't think it's, you know, it's not like necessary that you have it at those two locations. Cause you're still, even if you're pretty far out, you're still not that far out from the, from the gate. Uh, but it's nice for the nostalgia piece of it. And like I said, it's history tradition, uh, just something everybody thinks about. It's their first touch point. A lot of times, you know, when they think back on their Disney memories, when they first went to a park was the first thing you did, we got in the tram and went to the front gate
0: yeah I, I think that's that's absolutely true, but my main concern would be uh somebody in the family that has a little bit of trouble walking super far distances um yeah th-
1: that would be my main thing. It's a great service to have yeah
0: yeah 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 I, I I agree um, so you know let's say like somebody just had knee surgery or you know just tires after walking so far or whatever if you can make the argument you're going to go into the park and walk around that's true but there's always those people that walk for five minutes and then sit and then walk for another five minutes and then sit um but this is this is a good relief for that for for those who maybe have like a minor disability or temporary disability but don't qualify necessarily for um Mm -hmm. you know and like i said yeah great service to provide
1: i got to the point you know when we would go to magic kingdom and we would, we would take the tram in and to the front gate. But then at night after we left, you know, we had spent so much time you know, waiting in lines for virtually everything there. And everybody's crowded in all these queues and that to get on these trams that it was going to be quicker just to walk back out to our car. So I would skip it at night uh, going back to the, the car. But it was a nice service to have, um, a nice way to start today with a nice relaxing tram ride. Uh, to get to the front gate, you know, back when I first started going to Disney, you know, years ago.
0: Yeah. And um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that didn't they add tram spots to Epcot, which they hadn't used until this service kicks in? Uh, Have you heard that or am I just making that up?
1: I don't remember if they had it or not, because I always, you know, came a different way to get there when we would do the hoppers and things. So it was a little different. You know, you were kind of dropped off pretty quick or pretty near the the entrance that i never really thought about a you know a tram wreck that wasn't parked in their parking lot yeah well because when i was at epcot a couple of weeks ago they had these tra- i mean
0: this is disney so you never know but they i i thought i remember hearing that they had put in these tram spots they just never had used them and they looked brand new but again it's disney so they could have replaced the entire thing overnight and it's brand new now even though they've had it forever uh hollywood studios i i'm pretty certain had it and they suspended with uh with covid and haven't brought it back right
1: yeah i do know studios had it for sure
0: absolutely what do we got next on number three
1: next we have uh, six flags over georgia they're going to debut a new intamin ultra surf coaster model Uh, this model is unnamed right now at this time but it has uh, 590 uh, feet of track 144 foot incline two outward facing circles of free spinning seats on top of a large board uh, For airtime spins, that sounds a lot of fun there, and three moments of weightlessness, top speed of 60 miles per hour. You're going to go forward and backward with the launches. Um, you hear this a lot, you know, something you've never seen before, but this is something you've never seen before, and uh, no two ride experiences will be the same. That's what I really um, like about this attraction that's coming to Six Flags Over Georgia is that no matter how many times you experience it, it's going to be a different experience every time
0: i'm fascinated by this um i know that they had the uh the intamin shuttle water coaster i'm I'm drawing a blank on the name uh i think it was aquaman at uh six flags over texas that took a couple years to build Mm -hmm. because of different delays and so on but um that looks really cool and and especially because they've got um yeah, the, the plumes of water, the fountains that come up in the animation that looks like they, they've got like some theatrics to it and stuff. That'll be as fun to watch as it will be to ride, I feel like.
1: I do, too. And it's like if you're riding it, it's going to be it's going to fit all those needs. You know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be thrilling. It's going to be something that um, you're going to want to do again and again. So I think it's going to be a tremendous addition to Six Flags Over Georgia.
0: Absolutely all right uh so going over to adventureland in iowa they've announced the reopening of the underground now the underground is a wood coaster that's a wood coaster slash dark ride uh it's been closed for some time uh but they have announced that they are reopening it and it's going to be rebuilt uh sorry the trains will be are at ptc right now to be rebuilt for the 2024 season so shout outs to our friends at ptc uh the guests will embark on a mission through a mine that goes through beyond just searching for Sheriff Sam's infamous lost cold. Incorporating new technology and effects, guests will find themselves in a story-driven experience like never before. As they venture deeper into the abandoned mine, riders will face challenges, unexpected twists, and opportunities to uncover hidden secrets along the way. You know what, Don? This brings back their, um, that whole thing of would you rather, if you had a really great ride, would you rather have it torn down or redone? You know, kind of like fire in the hole too, don't mm-hmm. you think?
1: Yeah, exactly with that. And uh, you know, it's it's I've never been to that park. Um uh, but I, I know some people that have and they tell me that it's a lot of um it's a fun place to go to. You know, but here's an opportunity. Now, this is going to create the argument. Is this a new credit? You know, those kind of things will come up uh, in, in a couple of years there. Once once it opens, people will be debating that. But I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I like the fact that it's story-driven. Um, you know, you talked about the the backstory there as you're going through and venturing in this uh, abandoned mine. Uh, mind, um, you know, the different challenges the writers are going to face. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I, I like story-driven attractions. I, I, so, I love
0: dark rides and I love indoor yeah. rides like indoor coasters. So I'm excited about this. Yeah. I think it's going to be fantastic. So,
1: yeah. I'm with you too. On the dark ride, you know, there's not enough of them out there.
0: I agree. Uh, I'm wondering if it's, I don't know if it's cost to maintain difficult marketability or whatever, but I, I feel like there needs to be more. Don't you?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. On that. Awesome. Uh, every part needs a good dark ride or three. Right. What's next? Well, a TV news station in Glendale, Arizona, they gave a first look at one of the new Hot Wheels roller coasters being built right now at Mattel's first-ever theme park. It's currently under construction right next to where the Arizona Cardinals uh, play football and out there in Glendale. Uh, The Mattel Adventure Park, it's set to open in 2024. Uh, It'll feature the Hot Wheels Bone Shaker, uh, the ultimate ride roller coaster, 1,500 feet of linear track, if you drive by right now, so let's get in our car, Ryan, and go by. Uh, you can see the roller coaster taking shape. So, uh, some exciting news out there in Arizona. If you know you're a coaster fan, theme park fan in that part of the country.
0: Yeah, some YouTuber I was watching um, drove past it and showed it. Uh, I think it was Adam the Woo. Uh, and it was, there's clearly vertical construction. I know that when they announce these parks in a lot of cases, you and I always have our doubts. This one's happening, maybe a little late, but this it's one is happening. happening,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. like I said, if you drive by, you, you definitely can see it taking shape. And uh, I think you know, as you mentioned, we talk a lot about, especially in areas like Houston, where there's all these plans, but nothing ever comes about it. This one, for sure is gonna gonna happen opening in twenty twenty four. It'd be great if uh, one of us could fit it into our calendar next summer to check it out and come back and report here on the Attractions Group podcast.
0: That's true. Uh, Maybe have somebody from the park on the show or or maybe somebody from Mattel even uh, to talk about the design phase. That'd be cool. So if you're out there listening, and I know you're not, but if you are, we'd love to have you. (laughs) All right. Last one. Last one. This one's kind of interesting. So uh, SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment. They've got a guaranteed weather policy where if it rains or if it's too windy and you know, attractions start closing down, uh, they do have a guarantee against that in which you can um, return within 12 calendar months. Uh, uh, So, as of now, it covers rain, lightning, hail, and snow. uh, But they've added heat to it recently because of the heat wave that's been going through, where if it's Mm -hmm. too hot. Um. Then uh, you you can come back another day. I think that's really nice. Um. The, the the problem that I could see running into is that if it's raining, if it's snowing, if it's hailing, if the rides are closed down because of wind, that's pretty self evident. But who makes the determination that it's too hot and you need a refund? <laughs>
1: what, what are your thoughts? I think that is the one gray area for me is is the heat part of it. Um, everybody's got a different tolerance level when it's hot outside. Like for me, the hotter it is, the better. I have no problem with that, but someone else, you know, it gets to be 90, 95 degrees and it's too much for them. Uh, but I do like the idea of, of this new policy. Um, you know, a few weeks ago when I was at Holiday World, they have uh, a policy that, uh, you know, your day is impacted by weather and rides are closed down for X number of, of hours that, uh, you know, you can come back. And I think that's, that's, a great guest service to offer that, you know, I'd like to see more parks do that because, uh, for some people, you know, they're of modest means and that might be the only day that they can go to a park and they get there and it rains all day and they maybe only got to ride two or three rides and you know, that that's their big summer vacation. So the opportunity to be able to come back on a better day, I think that's just a great guest service to offer.
0: I agree. Now, let me ask you this, uh, you know, with your experience within the industry do do things like this fall like dominoes? So now we got Holiday World and SeaWorld doing it where okay, if it's the weather is adversely affecting the guest experience, we're gonna invite you to come back. Do you think we'll see that at other parks?
1: I think eventually, yes. I mean it, it's a it's a copycat industry in a lot of ways with things. I think there's gonna be a a time where you're gonna have to get enough information on how many, you know, days were impacted, how many guests took advantage of it. Um, you know, but yeah, I can see more parks, you know, looking to do this, and I, I think some of them will start to do it as soon as next year.
0: Yeah, um, I, I would say it's going to be sooner than later. Um, it, you know, because it, it, look at all the different things that happened at one park and then spread like a wildfire to the others. Yeah, we talk. About, well, let see, me ask you this, right? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, let me ask you say, say you travel five, six hours and you go to a park your first time you've ever been there, mm-hmm. um, you plan you know, for months to go there. You get there and it's raining and the majority of the rides are down all day long. You didn't get to really ride what you you went there for. If you ask for a refund, you know, you're probably going to get a no, but if you just ask to exchange your tickets, you get a no. That's going to maybe, you know, probably leave a sour taste in your mouth. And are you going to make that trip again, you know, for five or six hours to go to the same park the next year, if that's the way it happened? Or would you look at that and say, you know, well, I can come back tomorrow. That's great because of this policy or, you know, I can come back later in the summer and try to figure out another time to go. So is it going to impact, you know, whether or not you go back to that park if they gave you that opportunity?
0: It depends. Um, The whole no refunds thing is a weird thing with theme parks, uh, because I I understand why they have that. And, And it's a general rule. And it seems like most parks are slipping from it now anyway, uh, in one way or another. But, um, yeah, to me, uh, it's like, I, I get that. Okay. The shooting star was down for two hours. So I want a refund. We're not doing that. Like, well, that
1: part, no, not if like one attractions. Now I think if it's weather impacted, well, you know, that's, that's my thing. If it's weather impacted and it's the majority of the day, you know, 90 minutes or more that you couldn't ride certain things, everybody's time's valuable. Mm-hmm. And if you're just, you know you have nothing to do when when all the rides are down right and a good part of your day was washed out then i think you have to look at that or you should look at that if you go and a an attraction these things are machines sure. things happen things are going to go down uh not be available and it's you know it's disappointing but that's out of the park's control you know mm-hmm. with with something like that um so you deal with that but i think on the other hand and that can be made now on the flip side if you're a park, you can always say everybody has uh, a mobile phone. Now they all have the ability to look up what the weather forecast is going to be by the hour. Um, you know, for the most part, it's not always hundred percent what it's, you know, what it turns out to be, but everybody had that opportunity before they went there to know what they might be getting into. So there's, there's that argument from the park side too.
0: Let, let, let me play devil's advocate though. Um, so you, you talk about like everyone's got a mobile phone and they can see the weather. First of all, I don't, for those of you out of the Cincinnati market, there was a 0% chance of rain this morning. We had a storm from the Wizard of Oz, despite the 0% chance of rain. Did that wake you up this morning? Because it sure as heck woke me up at like six o'clock in the morning. Uh, so that sort of stuff happens. In addition to that, um, you got to remember that we're not talking about, uh, you could even argue like your local baseball team or something. You know, you bought a ticket for tonight's game. You knew it might rain. You got to deal with it. Well, with a theme park, if you're traveling five or six hours, that's the day you have off work. That's when the whole family's available. That's when you got the hotel. Some of that stuff you can't change. You just have to risk it. So
1: you have to risk it. Exactly. So, but I don't think that necessarily anybody, but in in baseball, though, if if the game gets rained out in baseball, your ticket is good for the makeup date. Well, of course.
0: Yeah. Um, and and I would say I was gonna bring that up as like kind of a tantamount argument, but I would say um you have to treat everybody like this is the one day that they can go, uh, and kind of respect have enough respect for your guests in that regard where you although you can't control the weather, neither can they. Um, and I would hate to be that uh CEO or park president that has it communicated out where it might rain today. Do not go to this park. They're not going to open anything. So, cause I mean, I've seen it before, you know, local water park that used to be around here first drop of rain, they would always close. So you know what happened? 30% chance of rain. Nobody's in the park because you train the right. customer, you train the guest. So I would say um, giving people a reason to, to show up no matter what is, is it's imperative to business. Yeah, uh, and maintaining yeah. that re- you you talk about you want to win Reader's Digest top ten haunt event. Well, if you just screwed somebody early in May because it rained and they couldn't open anything, and you know they bought a sixty or seventy dollar ticket, do you think they're going to go out of their way for you? No, they're not. You know, but no, if you- that's
1: why I really do like that policy that you know Sea has, uh, Holiday World has. I, I do like that, and I'd like to see more parks do that.
0: I think we will see more parks do it. I would say we should probably set our calendars for like July 4th of next year and see how many more parks have implemented a policy like this, because I could, I could see, you know, your six flags and stuff like that doing it. And honestly, it would probably be the right thing to do. You just have to sharpen the policy, make sure that it's fair for the company and for the guest. And uh, I, it's funny of all the pick sixes. We're going on and on about this one. We have all these cool news. We got a new, <laughs> new RMC coaster type. And we're talking about the rain policy of sea world.
1: Um, Well, I mean, it impacts your visit, you know, I mean, it really does. And, and I think that, you know, now that I'm, especially now that I'm traveling around to different parks, you know, that's one of the things I'm looking at closely is what does the weather look like, you know, before I go, so I know what, uh, what to expect. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of, of that kind of a policy where, you know, you can come back within X number of of days, you know, depending on where it's at, if it's more like a sea world, you have to have a bigger window, you know, sure. cause you might not be able to, you're not gonna be able to come back. You know, if you live on this side of the, the country, you're not going to be able to go back to Orlando, you know, tomorrow kind of a thing. So you have to have a bigger window, the 12 months and some other ones, you know, maybe it's a 90 day window or it's a, you know, a 30 day window, whatever it might be, uh, wherever you're based, you know, you just have to make those decisions and kind of calculate where your guests are coming from and how far on average and those kind of things to to come up with what that window is to be able to to come back again
0: so I, i've got some additional thoughts on this so um first of all i don't think the redemption on this offer is very high uh but i think that the goodwill generated from it is huge so for example if i'm at SeaWorld, it rains half the stuff gets shut down they they offer me like a return ticket even if it's for 90 days or a year or whatever. I may or may not use it, but I would appreciate the gesture. And I think most people would. Exactly. They, they, the average person knows we can't run the roller coasters and the lightning or whatever, but they're going to do what they can do to help you. Um,
1: yeah. And, and there's got to be a realistic thing on the guest, you know, part two of, of how much of your day was, was impacted by, because sometimes these storms come through and it's only 30 minutes, 40 minutes Yeah, it's an inconvenience, but it didn't ruin your day. You still had, you know, 10, 12 hours to do what else you wanted to do. So uh, I think a clearly defined policy would be
0: critical for this uh, just to set the expectation and not make it complicated. I could totally see them having uh, some park having a, uh, you know, if the rain comes through and it shuts down the rides for three hours within the first six hours of the day. But uh, don't do that. Just a flat like if the rides are shut down for three or four hours, you can make a return trip simple as that i that, that's what i would do mm-hmm. um yeah but uh yeah, I, I, I mean well let's talk, you know you were just in in tennessee you know you got free time on your hands your wife has a job and she had to take time off to do this if it was gonna rain in pigeon forge would you have not gone
1: we would have still gone to the exactly park, uh, ex- for sure like everybody uh, we else would have still gone to the island you know to, to check it out um you know, the, the plan would have been different. You know, maybe I wouldn't have been able to ride as many roller coasters, but you have the live shows, you have the different dining experiences. It would have just been, um, you know, reconfiguring the plan for the day, what I was going to do. That's all I would have done in that situation. Right. But but was just but refigured, let's, you know, what I was going to do. So
0: let's, let's assume that some people are like you in some ways, and different in other ways. So I, I would, I would say that, um, most people are like you and that was your plan and that's what you're going to do. And you can't change these plans. So people are going to go no matter what. That's why like if in monsoons, there's still 10,000 people in you know, the park, whatever the park that is. But at the same time, you and I would probably find value in like, oh, let's look at the shops. Let's watch the shows. A lot of people aren't like that. A lot of people are like, I want to no. ride the big roller coaster as much as possible. Totally their prerogative. And they can't do that because of the weather. So I feel like uh, the product fell short, no matter whose fault mm-hmm. that is. And uh, because of that, I think that this is, this is a really good policy that um, should be spread around.
1: Yeah. I think though, you know, like anything else that gets introduced, you know, there's going to be the, the, the data gets collected, you know, how many people take advantage of it, uh, but it still comes down to what you said. Most won't take advantage of it, but it's still that goodwill. Uh, gesture that they did and you remember that you do um you know you certainly remember that and you also remember if you just get a flat out no
0: yeah yeah sorry no refunds that's our policy yeah no i i can get my supervisor but that's the policy no refunds uh that sort of you want to lose people i mean especially like if we're going into like a recessionary period when people are really talking about or thinking about how they spend their money that's what sea world's hedging against they want people to be like, you know what? Disney's really expensive. Universal's really expensive, both of which are having a problem with that reputation right now. SeaWorld treated us well. Let's spend three days at SeaWorld. Let's do a little trip done. That's how they're going to hit their home run over the next couple of years if something happens. I don't want to end this on a down yeah. note, but you liked Big Bear Mountain, right? <laughs> Let's talk positive. Loved it. Okay, I did Loved too. it. <laughs> All right. Absolutely loved it. Don, Big do you have Big any Bear final Mountain. words of wisdom for people? Any any like financial advice or anything? Don't give financial advice. advice. I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) No, no, I don't. uh, I'm the last person you want to ask about for that kind of thing. But, you know, no, another fun episode. Uh, You know, I always look forward to these every week with you, Ryan. I hope our audience does as well. And if you have any, you know, uh, topic ideas, uh, certainly message us, especially on Twitter. That's probably the best place to do that. Um, Our X, what it's called now. So just message us, give us the topic ideas. You know, we consider everything. Uh, we talk during the week about, you know, what we want to talk about this week a lot of times. Uh, other weeks, we have guests that are playing. Now, we do have some guests coming up. We got some great guests coming a few up. Yeah. Uh weeks for you. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, why don't you talk about what we have going on next week, real quick.
0: So, next week, uh, for those of you who like little rides like, I don't know, Phantom Theater, Adventure Express, Men in Black, Jaws, we've got Rick Bastrop. Uh, from r Creative Design, uh, who actually is coming out with a book, which is uh, available for pre-order now. Uh, we're going to have him on the show next week to talk about his book and his experience and uh, all sorts of fun stuff like that. So that's not an episode you want to miss. Um, super excited about that, right?
1: Very excited about it. Uh, met Rick last summer for the first time. Uh, we saw him again in Iapa. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I remember we talked to him about coming on the podcast and he was like, sure, just shoot me an email. And as soon as we heard about the book, you know, you certainly did, did that. You did what he said and he got back with you and very excited to have him on next week.
0: Yeah. Really looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah. So catch us weekly. Um, also for those of you who made it to the end, thank you. Uh, make sure you're checking out if you are local to Cincinnati or just a Kings Island fan, check out our other podcast, Tower Topics, which is short bite-sized episodes talking about individual subjects, just about Kings Island and Kings Island ad- adjacent things, uh, by searching for Tower Topics and all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. Uh, you can follow this show by <laughs> searching for the Attractions Group podcast, uh, on YouTube or your own, you know, podcast apps. I'm, like, running out of steam here. I'm, like, about to catch my—I'm not Hussein Bold. I don't have this lung capacity to do this anymore. Uh, Make sure you follow us on Twitter slash X at attractions underscore GRP. We'll see you next time, everybody.